How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you doing on this lovely Sunday night? Sundays always have the downside of Mondays being work days, but uh, it is nice to get together and talk with you after the Sunday Bucks game. I know we talked about maybe recording something after Friday's Bucks game. And to be honest, I didn't, <laughs> didn't, I didn't really like feel like, you know, spending time on my weekend on my Saturday or Friday night talking about what we saw on Friday. Um, and obviously, you know, sample sizes, et cetera, apply after one to however many games in summer league. But um, at least we have a little bit more and and a little bit less depressing sample size here after two games, because certainly Sunday's effort by the Bucks uh, was a much more encouraging one than what we saw on Friday. So um, I, I'm glad that we don't just have to sit around and and shrug our shoulders and say, eh. um, I mean, again, not that we have any broad conclusions but obviously uh uh good to see a couple games because certainly vegas is uh is is weird summer league basketball is strange and you know i think whatever they had what one day of practice two days of practice before friday's game um and it looks like uh, that extra couple days here uh, leading into sunday probably did them a lot of good yeah i, I would agree with that and yeah I, I don't think either of us were were thinking you know what a good way to spend our saturday is to complain or not necessarily complain but just like have to convince ourselves that no summer league doesn't matter like no 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 what we saw doesn't matter um so i'm happy we didn't do that and i'm happy that uh the game went better today um so the bucks end up beating the nets today uh they went by five uh 88 to 83 they lost on friday 82 to 53 uh so a 29 point loss on friday uh, five point win on sunday and I guess the easiest way to kind of try to do this, Frank, is let's go player by player, and um, we can at some point decide where to stop with what players we actually want to talk about. Um, and I when think we get to when we get to Tim Kempton, then we can probably stop. I would say <laughs> I think so too. Um, so I guess we'll start with Thon. Um, I think there's been a lot of people that were not very excited about what they thought, what they saw from Thon this weekend, uh, that they were disappointed. I think a lot of people were expecting big things after the great playoff series that he had and uh, just kind of assumed that, okay, he's, he's one of the guys that as you look at this roster, like he was a legitimate starter at center in the NBA playoffs. So this is a guy that uh, should be able to take advantage of uh, other summer league players that maybe aren't quite as ready to be contributors, and uh, largely, I, I don't think that's something we saw. So, 
do you have any concerns? Are, were you worried with what you saw? Did it bother you? Um, I'm just curious to get your impressions. Well, I think a lot of it depends kind of on what your your expectation level is for Thon, especially offensively. Um, you know, because when we talked about this Thursday night on the Friday pod, uh, you know, the thing that I said I, I really hoped for was that Thon would look like a guy who was, you know, too good to be there, right? That's always the goal is that a second-year guy just sort of looks like, you know, the year of NBA experience and hopefully, you know, guys who are coming off, you know, being lottery picks and then getting a year of experience, they generally just, you know, they, they, they start to show their their class and their talent. And certainly offensively, um, we didn't see that from Thon, right? I mean, I think, uh, you know, for me personally, my my expectation for Thon is more that he's, you know, has always been sort of a high floor guy because of his motor, his character, um, his physical tools, um, but that you know, especially offensively. I mean, this is something we talked about, you know, even leading up to the draft was that, you know, especially in the post attacking the rim, just didn't look like a guy who had a lot of feel or a lot of just sort of like fluidity. And, and I don't know. It's just, I think what we saw in these two games, I think just sort of reemphasized what we saw, you know, even going back to when he played against higher level competition in high school and at least the clips we've seen, um, what we saw last year, certainly early in the season. Um, but even in the playoffs, you know, I mean, we saw like, you know, a, a couple flashes of him being able to like dump in like a short hook shot or something like that. But, you know, his offensive game is still <laughs> pretty embryonic in a lot of ways. And it's strange that he has a perimeter game like that, that that's sort of the first thing he would really have that seems like a real NBA skill. Cause like normally you think of, you know, big guys being guys who score on the basket and then they add sort of a perimeter shot, hopefully down the road somewhere. But he's sort of like, you know, Benjamin buttoning this whole thing and maybe he never <laughs> sort of gets there. But, um, you know, certainly, uh, whether you talk about Friday's game or this game, um, you know, again, uh, for, for one, I mean, you, you mentioned on Twitter as well. I mean, he was he was mostly picking and popping, not rolling, which, you know, we've both talked about how fairly pointless he is as a role man, given he doesn't really have good hands and doesn't really seem to, you know, know how to get sort of himself open. Probably doesn't play, obviously, also with good pick and roll point guards. But um, it was good to see him, you know, looking for that three point shot. He didn't really obviously hit many, hit one in each game, didn't shoot well from three but um you know hopefully that's obviously something that given what we saw last year was fine but yeah i mean it's just you know inside the room did, did he have any offensive rebounds i don't think so he didn't really he really didn't kind of like get involved in plays very much you know it just um everything kind of just you know nothing kind of came easily in terms of getting offense inside the arc and um you know i think the couple times on uh, sunday that he really tried to assert himself uh didn't really look pretty and then in, in the fourth quarter he did have that like hook shot he threw up but even that was over a small defender and it kind of he got pushed out pretty far so um i don't think we saw anything really suggest that thon has kind of elite offensive skill that's that's around the corner um you never want to count a guy out again two summer league games whatever but for me i would just say it's not like i'm reacting to two summer league games so much as I'm not seeing anything in the two summer league games that would change my opinion, if that makes sense. I mean, even in the playoffs, he averaged, you know, six points, three boards, shot 39% in 20 minutes, right? So we haven't seen like a big time Thon explosion um, other than like the Detroit game, maybe. Um, so I think offensively, I think we just, you know, maybe I think people were hoping that there would be a kind of a big change there and, and he would look much more assertive and be in a much more central role. But certainly we didn't see that in these two games. And 
um, he said after the game that he's heading back to to work out with Giannis the next couple of weeks. So this was the end of his Vegas time. So um, that's all fine and good. Um, but you know, I, I would say my my view as far as like what Thon's ceiling as an offensive player is um, hasn't really changed that much. And you know, wish wish I had a different story to tell, but that's kind of where I am. I feel like for the last year, really since the moment he was drafted, you and I have both been cautious and have warned people like don't don't compare him to Giannis like just just don't do that because they're not similar players like I I just I I don't other than them being long young and having interesting backstories like they they they're not the same players and I, I think that's kind of Again, it's probably a thing that people are hopeful for that they saw him cross up Bam Adebayo one time, and they they saw I don't even know a couple other highlights. And now Birdman, of him. Birdman too, right? correct? Like so now there's like a couple highlights of him like dribbling and making somebody fall, and all of a sudden he people just want to kind of give him that skill. And I, like I understand being optimistic about the way that a player would develop, but um, I think both of us have said okay, maybe. As he continues to grow, he turns into a Serge Ibaka type. And with Serge Ibaka, it was hit threes and protect the rim and be able to switch on to other guys defensively. And and maybe that's where more of his value is going to come from at this point with the rim protection. And again, we saw it where, okay, pick and roll. It, either it's an ice or it gets he gets switched on and then all of a sudden he's coming up with a block at the rim on a guard because he's able to stay with him he's able to time his block and he's able to make a play like that is still there um that's still flashed throughout the weekend uh so i don't think any concerns there defensively i just think offensively um everyone probably just has to kind of handle that at this moment he's good from three which i'm I'm now to the point where I feel pretty confident saying that. I don't have a ton of questions there. He's seven feet tall. He's got a high release. So most of the time he's going to be able to get that shot off. And I think in Vegas we saw him, especially in this last one, we saw him hit a tough one where it was it was pretty well contested. But it, he's, ju- he's just so tall and that release is so high that he can get that shot off. And uh, I think that's kind of the thing both you and I were looking for. Can he start picking and popping more? Can he be a true threat from three? And I think we saw, again, it's not totally there yet, but it's getting closer, and we saw him pop more than roll. So that's exciting to me. Um, I, I just think all of this kind of further reiterated, he he's not Giannis. He, he's not going to be bringing the ball up the floor anytime soon. And again, I know Jason Kidd mentioned that during his interview on Friday that they're encouraging him to do so, and we saw him do it again today. And, well didn't go well um that, that that's not a skill he currently has maybe someday um he'll continue to develop and get better and better at it but today we saw him bring it up twice and both times he tried to attack uh his guy off the dribble and ended one i think ended in a charge in the other one he ended up throwing one hard off the glass and it was no good um so i don't think that's something he has yet and on friday there was turnovers when when he was doing that so that's not there yet but again i think Especially in summer league, I I don't know. I don't want to say I was prepared for me to be like disappointed in what we'd see from Thumb, but I just feel like the things that he does well, where it's being a competent defender, switching on to multiple guys, blocking shots, and then offensively hitting pick and pop threes. Well, to hit pick and pop threes, you need guys that can create. You need people that can 
find you and get you open. And defensively, you need guys that are going to know the system, feel comfortable with each other, be able to switch, be able to make multiple rotations. And, well, uh, I think I've watched enough summer league basketball at this point to know that that's not really something I should expect. Yeah, I mean, I think the the question with Thon is like, if he gets it, you know, 16 feet out, right, or at the elbow or something like that, like, what what is he going to do, right? And, um, you know, we saw a few times uh, at, towards the end of last season where he was able to kind of put it on the deck one bounce and, you know, put up a little hook shot or, or, or some kind of shot that he actually made. Um, but, you know, kind of going from doing that, like the number of times you can count on your hand to having that be a legitimate weapon that, that you know, he, feel, he feels confident or, you know, being able to kind of put your back to the basket and drop step. Or um, again, if he's playing center, his advantage is generally going to be in, in the quickness department, right? It's not going to be, um, you know, that he's just going to bang these guys. And I mean, he even had a hard time. I forget who it was, who was guarding him um, in the fourth quarter when, you know, it was a smaller guy. And, you know, I think the, the commentary even said mouse in the house because it was like a smaller guy and guy kind of pushed him out pretty easily. And he kind of awkwardly did and, and put in a, a, you know, maybe like a 10, 12 foot shot. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, Oh man, he just really like confidently like knew how to get to his spot and, and, and put it in. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if you want him to be a, you know, 15 to 18 point per game type player, then, you know, I mean, you could get by potentially, uh, if you really become like a high volume three point shooter, like he could potentially maybe get there if mm-hmm. he's three point shooting last year was real and he's able to kind of get enough stuff going like around the basket, like in terms of like offensive rebounds and, you know, putbacks and, and drop offs, things like that. But, um, it also is kind of, you know, his hands have been something that people, you know, kind of ask about a lot. Like, does he have the hands to, you know, really be a guy who, you know, rim runs, finishes lobs, catches things like that. Um, and, you know, again, I mean, he hasn't really done anything as a rim runner yet. Um, and it just seemed like in these Travis two games, Travis like, tried a couple. He, he yeah. threw a couple up there and it was like, oh, no, that's not, that's yeah. not bouncing yet, Travis. Right. I mean, again, like it seemed like, I mean, he had the one dump off today that he dunked for an and one. Um, but it felt like in these two games, it felt like most of the passes were not great. But he also like didn't catch like anything. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like it yeah. was like no individual pass that like I don't know. If, I, I don't know. There was one maybe today where he fumbled a little bit. Um, and he got pinned under the backboard a little bit. But um, for the most part, especially Friday, it wasn't like he was getting great passes and he was just like you know hands of stone botching him. It was more like guys were throwing him passes that were probably overly ambitious whether it's dj wilson or wherever else today i think dj wilson had one that you commented on um but you know again uh if it's a really tough pass to handle like he's not a guy that you're gonna you're gonna bet on catching it um and we were joking about that one pass he got from from Giannis, that like crazy bullet pass in overtime <laughs> against the pistons that was yeah. you know what what did you say? I think you said like it was a crazy idea. The honest try at a crazy pass that it worked, insane that he caught or you know, and then yeah. like crazy that he caught it and then that he finished as well. That was really like an improbable play. But for the most part, he's a guy who you know he doesn't have huge hands, um, and he doesn't have kind of just those like sticky catches everything in his catch radius. And and obviously at this point too, like he's not a guy who you know, his athleticism doesn't really always show out in terms of being able to like elevate, especially in traffic. Um, so it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a process with him. And I think if you were expecting him to kind of come in this year and just, you know, start scoring a bunch, uh, you know, again, unless he just goes crazy as a pick and pop guy, which hopefully he, he, we see a lot of that from him, but, 
for the most part, you know, and again, I mean, in the modern NBA, like that, that's not really what you ask centers to do, right? You, you don't ask centers this side of like Greg Monroe and, you know, Ennis Cantor, like very few centers like are really expected or even asked to go to work, you know, in the post or whatever. So it's not like he needs to do that. He's not going to be expected to do that. But, you know, again, the question is just, can he find spots where he can make himself available for passes when, you know, other guys draw crowds and can he, you know, hit shots from five, six, seven feet out? You know, can he hit a little baby hook shot? Can he catch the ball and, and finish strong? Those kinds of things. Those are really the important things for him right now. And I mean, it, you know, again, that's essentially the difference between a 12 point per game guy and an 18 point per game guy. Yeah. Like if yeah. he can maximize those opportunities that's how you get to that that next level of talent so uh, again he's still young he's still learning a lot of stuff so um obviously i think we'll continue to see him improve but yeah there's there's a lot there um so maybe and and i would just and and i would just add to i mean to to say that he's going to be like a role player offensively i mean if if that role includes picking and popping and hitting threes at you know a decent volume and a and a (laughs) spectral rate i mean that is an extremely valuable role player player and especially yes, if defensively he's doing you know being able to guard smaller guys we saw flashes of that again today um if you can you know rebound at a high enough level that it's not you know really hurting you and teams aren't really be able to kill you on the offensive glass um you know you're pretty much about as valuable a role player as you can be so it's not meant as a slight i mean i'm i'm actually the i'm i'm in the camp of people who look at you know the center position and say I'm not looking for another center. You know, I'm, I'm, I want to see if Thon can handle this. I, I want to make him the center of the future. Um, but again, I also don't want to sit here and say like, well, Thon's going to be your second or third, you know, star player. And you know, you 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 got Giannis and Thon and then final more guy. Like I'm also definitely not in that camp. I think Thon can be, you know, an elite sort of, you know, two way type player, but it's not going to be sort of in your typical, maybe I, I just don't see him being like a typical kind of star score or whatever. And that's, you know, the, the stuff of like, Jabari and like KG, like the stuff about that, you know, that they've suggested of him being always oh, going to be a future MVP and all this stuff. And it's like, just like, I don't know, like, I don't know what he does in practice, but I mean, it, it just, I don't know. I, I don't see any of that sort of offensively in games. And again, that's, that's not like meant to say like, Oh, Thon's a huge disappointment. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm excited about Thon, you know, and and if he can be, you know, if he can score, I don't know, eight to ten points a game this year and give you, you know, six seven rebounds in twenty to twenty five minutes and block like a shot or two and stretch the floor and be defensively what he was against the Raptors, like you're gonna have a really valuable player. So anyway, we'll talk a lot more about Thon. All right, uh, let's move on. Uh, let's see, who do I want to go to next? Let's go with Mister Thirty One Point Game guy in las vegas has a terrible nickname um rashad vaughn he he goes off in the second game the first game was just a a house of horrors um i I think he starts off the first two shots he takes are blocked He he throws the third one off the side of the backboard um looked as bad as i i would really struggle to think how a third year player in summer league could look worse than that um and i guess conversely i don't know how a third a third year guy in the summer league would have looked much better than he did on sunday with that 31 point game 13 of 18 from the field hit a bunch of threes a couple from pretty deep uh it was getting to the rim at uh, this is in this is an insane sense to say rashad vaughn was getting to the rim at will um and it I can't imagine you could have two more different games than those two. So 
Well, let's. Well, in fairness, I mean, he made a five out five out of nine shots on Friday, so it's not like it was like a dumpster fire. But he started off, as you said. I mean, getting your first couple of shots blocked. I mean, it was just like, oh god, it's like this is. Yeah, I mean, it was like, oh man, Rashad Vaughn, third year (laughs) Vegas veteran, and it's just starting so horribly. So he did kind of get it, get it together a little bit. But Yeah. yeah, I mean, nothing like what we saw today, which was, I mean, just confidence, command. I mean, he was bringing the ball up in the second half. I mean, that was just, that was not a player we've seen before. Yeah, so I guess my question is, what do you take more from? Is it that first game when he starts the game off so poorly? Is it this last game? Is there something in between? What What do you take from there that you think is valuable to to us for information going forward? Well, I mean, I, I think one thing that's interesting is, I mean, he's a guy who has seemed to struggle with just confidence. And um, again, not that he's like completely, I mean, he obviously gets three point shots up. I mean, he, he got shots up, but you know, especially that first year um, just seemed like a guy who just was, was didn't know when he was supposed to shoot, didn't know what he was supposed to be doing out there, you know, didn't want to upset sort of the, you know, the, the, the balance of things. But it's like, dude, if you're in the game, like you're in there because, you know, in theory you can stretch the floor a little bit. And um, I, I think he's a guy who, you know, if he's not confident, then, it, there's no point, right? I mean, he's got to believe in it, especially as a shooter. I mean, if a shooter doesn't believe in himself, granted, you know, I think he's looked better defensively, certainly, especially in his second year. Um, but if he's going to have a career in the NBA, and it's, you know, again, he's not even 21 years old yet. So, I, I mean, we don't want to, like, be too dismissive. But um, to see him just playing and looking like a guy who believed, like, he could go at guys and take it to the rim. I mean, I think one of the things that's always struck me about Rashad is that he he doesn't play with any like force or power um, in spite of the fact that he's not a weak player, but he just doesn't seem to have much assertiveness. And I think part of this because he just doesn't have like elite ball handling or even, you know, kind of average to good ball handling. Um, so I think today to see him, you know, and he would think he was going against Karis LeVert much of the time. So, I mean, it was an NBA player, right? It was another first round pick that he was going against a guy who had a solid mm-hmm. rookie season. Um, the fact that he was able to really attack him off the dribble and not just shell for jump shots, but, but hit jump shots. Um, you know, again, that's not, you know, and I think we talked, you, you mentioned this last week. I mean, you know, his role for the Bucks is not going to be like, you're going to bring the ball up and you're going to have to attack the guy off the dribble, right? That's not, that's not what he's going to be asked to do. But if from this experience, he feels more confident that he can do that at times that he can attack a closeout and go to the rim and actually finish, um, that obviously would be a positive thing. Draw some fouls. Didn't make free throws today, which unfortunately has been a weird thing about his career thus far. Not a great free throw shooter. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think just looking like you belong and believing that you belong. I mean, again, this feels like it's sort of, you know, rah-rah BS type stuff in some ways. But, um, you know, again, with a player who's sort of on that, you know, on that balancing that fine line between out of the league in three years and potentially a guy who could have have a long career as you know a solid role player still um i think it's important that he can show us something like this so you know again i'll take more from the second game just because again i think a lot of it with with him is just can you play at at a level that looks like you're a real nba player and certainly this was the best we've ever seen from him in vegas i mean we've seen him have a big offensive game in that one one game against the the nets last fall um but you know now that we've seen him engage in in actual games defensively uh, if he can look like a confident guy offensively you know shoot threes i mean he's 
you know, he's not looking to shoot 23 foot nine inch shots. Like he was shooting from, you know, 27, 28 feet at times today and, and looking confident. Um, if that all can kind of carry over and, and be something where he feels confident and he's a guy that actually, you know, is looking to hurt, hurt defenses. Um, again, doesn't have to be that aggressive in the normal course of an NBA game, but again, gives you some hope that, um, that, you know, maybe, maybe he's got it. And if nothing else, um, you know, if you do want to move him at some point, you know, maybe some team sees him play like this today. And, you know, maybe this is the high water. Maybe you should try to trade him right away, right? See if, see if you can move him for like a second round pick. I don't know, right? <laughs> um, but uh, but I think certainly him having a little bit of success on his resume, even if it is summer league, um, I think it's I mean, it's nothing but a positive, right? And and I think all the pressure is still on him to show that it's for real and that it's something that you can translate. But um, but yeah, I mean, nice to see. And you got to be happy for him, right? Because he's obviously been a guy who struggled and teammates seem to like him, but um, just hasn't been there. And obviously this summer, um, not even necessarily this season, but this summer is a really important one for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think just of a time you've seen him so confident. And you think of the very first shot he hits is like you said, it was right wing 27, 28 footer and just catches steps into it confidently and bangs it. Like that's, that's not something that we really see from him all that often. So he does that. And then the, what the next three that he hits is in transition, pass a little bit out front of him. He takes a, just a little rhythm dribble to the left and hits another three from the left wing in transition. Like those just aren't plays that we've seen from him. And kind of like I've always said with him is you have to be able to catch and shoot threes. And if you're not willing to catch and shoot threes and shoot those confidently, well, I just don't know how you have a role. Cause defensively, I think last year we both thought he was largely fine. I don't know if you want to say he's a good defender yet, but I think he was largely fine. So if you can actually catch and shoot threes, then okay, you probably can, can have a role on this roster, um, e- even if it is just a small role this year, but you could at least take a few minutes if someone gets in foul trouble at that point. So um, I think that's the big thing from him is just being able to do that and to show that confidence that he had today was was great. And then, I mean, like you said, it, it, this wasn't against like some random per- – like, again, think what you want about Karis LeVert, but – that was an NBA player last year. Like that was a guy that should have, I don't want to say have been able to cover Rashad Vaughn because Rashad obviously made him look silly at, at, throughout that game. But that should have been a guy that you would think could probably hold him down. And I, I just think back to one of the last buckets he had where it was a couple crossover dribbles, then he brought it back out. And then I don't know if I've seen him make a left-right crossover as low as he did but it was super low like right next to a defender and somehow he gets past and goes to the rim and finishes with the right hand and in my head I was just thinking who is that guy <laughs> that that I guess one of the big things that we've always talked about with Rashad is okay one right now he's struggling to catch and shoot threes but two when he wasn't catching and shooting threes he wasn't able really ever to get all the way to the rim and today he was able to do that and you mentioned playing with power and playing with like that confidence and that strength. And he had that one finish. I think it was a spin move um, where he kind of like reset his legs and like legitimately with his off arm, like he put his shoulder into somebody and then like finished over the top of him. And when you were talking about the power and being able to play with that, I was like, that's a play I've never seen him make. So there was just a lot of stuff today where you watched him play and that wasn't a Rashad Vaughn we've really seen before. Um, so 
if this is a, a new Rashad Vaughn, a guy that has more confidence, that's a great thing. Um, and if it isn't, well, then it'll be largely what we've seen from him thus far in his career. But um, like you said, it, this is a time where I, I can't really feel anything other than happy for the guy. Like it, it, when you're when you're at the Vegas Summer League for a third straight year, like that's. That's not a spot you want to be in. You don't want to be the guy that's there for a third time. So for you to be able to find success and be able to have a game like this, I, I, yeah, I, I'm just, just straight up happy for him, and you hope it continues. Yeah, I mean, and this is the hard part. We talked about this a while ago, too, in the context of Tony Snell. You know, Tony Snell took until his age 25 season to really kind of look like he settled into a, a, a clear role as an NBA rotation player. I mean, you know, he played a lot of minutes for the, for the Bulls over his first three years, right? I mean, it's not like he was out of the rotation or something like that. I mean, you know, he, he had some challenges. I don't think he, you know, he was certainly on the outs when he left. But um, a guy who played a lot of games and was generally in that 20-minute-per-game range when he was in Chicago. But obviously, it wasn't until this year that he really found his legs, found his confidence, and kind of everything kind of clicked. And he really kind of locked into a, a specific role. And that's what's so hard with a guy like Rashad, who, you know, he's going to be 21 in August. Uh, you know, I just look, I mean, Karis LeVert's two full years older than him, right? Um, I think pretty much, you know, anyone would trade Vaughn for LeVert um, at this point, just based on the fact that LeVert looked pretty competent in his in his rookie year. He's had a lot of injury problems. Um, but that's the hard part, right, is that, you know, whatever it takes for guys to kind of flip that switch a little bit. Um, and again, for a guy like Rashad, you know, the ask is not to go out and and be creating and scoring 20 points a game. The ask is, you know, can you make the right read when you get a swing pass? You know, do you hesitate and, you know, yeah. basically let the defense reset or do you make, take the shot or move the ball right away and, and make the right or attack the closeout, whatever it might be? So I think with role players, you know, just being able to lock in and you don't know when your number is going to get called, but to be able to come in and play, you know, a five, six, seven minute stretch, do that once each half and make the right play more often than not. And that's hard. I mean, I think Gerald Dudley talked um, a couple of years ago. I remember listening to Gerald Dudley and I mean, that's, that's a hard thing, especially for guys used to, you know, playing big, big minutes their entire lives. And, you know, it's funny when you're talking about getting into the rim. I mean, I think especially in the second half, the, the Nets were playing a bit smaller. So, you know, a little bit easier probably to do some of the things that Rashad's done. But, you know, just the fact that he was able to sort of shake defenders a little bit. Um, you know, I remember when Steve Van Horn and I, um, we recorded a podcast on draft night in 20, uh, I guess, 2015. And, you know, we were just like watching, you know, Draft Express like strengths videos of Rashad Vaughn. And it was just like take a dribble or two, pull up from 15 feet, contested shot, and make it, right? And it was kind of like, yeah, this doesn't feel like that dynamic of a game. Like, he's not getting to the rim, really. He's not, like, dunking in half court. Um, you know, he didn't. He seemed like kind of more of a two-footed jumper, not a guy who really kind of exploded the rim off one foot. Um, and it was kind of, even then, it was, like, a little bit of like, uh, this guy, like, if he doesn't just, like, make jump shots, then going to be hard for him offensively and he's obviously not like a kind of creator playmaker type so um so to see that from him a little bit today was was nice and and encouraging and you know i think he finished like 18 i think he's like 18 out of 27 right now in two games so you know to be hitting two-thirds of your shots um that that's great and you know again not that, not that this is oh new rashad vaughn you know buy stock he's pencil him in for rotation minutes um <laughs> it's more like you just say okay he's got confidence 
can he carry this over for how many more, however many more games he plays in Vegas? And then can he carry that over to the rest of the summer and into the training camp? You know, last year he had a golden opportunity in training camp with Chris Middleton getting hurt and he couldn't take advantage of it. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it seems like an eternity ago that, I mean, remember when Rashad Vaughn was legitimately really good in his first preseason? <laughs> his yeah. first two or three games, I mean, he was scoring a lot. I mean, yeah. he, we still haven't really seen that guy. And, you know, maybe that guy is, is in there and maybe we're starting to see him now a little bit. But um, but you have to feel good for him. And um, again, you know, he's under contract for the coming year. The Bucks have to make a decision on his fourth year pl- uh, team option by the end of October. Um, and again, I think it's like a two point nine million dollar option. You know, for the most part, teams typically pick these up pretty much automatically just because they're so cheap. And, you know, especially with the young guy, I mean, just the chance that he gets continues to get better. You, you know, you, you don't want to just lose faith in a guy and then the next year the one where where it's he's an expiring contract is the year where you realize that oh actually he can play a little bit so um so it's it, but it's uh it, it's definitely certainly will give uh, the books a lot more to think about and make it pretty hard to uh to, to turn on that option but anyway who do we want to talk about next um let's go with the bucks first round selection dj wilson um dj has let's see first game had 11 points in 23 minutes, 4 of 13 from the field, 5 rebounds, uh, 2 blocks. In this second one, it's 16 points in 30 minutes, uh, 6 rebounds, an assist, a steal, 2 blocks, 6 of 13 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3. Um, he, I don't think he's stood out in a good or bad way um, at any point during this, um, but what are, what are your just general impressions of DJ Wilson thus far? Um, I know I had a couple people on Twitter ask me like, what what is DJ Wilson? Like, what is his role in in the NBA? Like, what can he end up playing? And I I, I really do. I think that's a, probably a good question. Like, what how does he fit into a rotation? What position does he fit into as well? Um, so I, I guess just general impressions after the first weekend. It's kind of interesting because I, I I thought so little about DJ Wilson during the pre-draft process. Like he really was not somebody that I ever expected to hear the Bucks draft. And you know, again, that can be largely just because I'm not a, really a, a big draft person. But um, you know, because obviously he was discussed as being in the in the in the discussion, kind of in that like 19 to 23 range in the draft. There were a number of teams linked to him in that range. So you know, it wasn't like a completely off the wall type selection where he was like a projected second rounder and then the bucks you know, reach for him or something although we know the bucks aren't afraid to do that with you know with, with drafting thon um but uh it, it's it's interesting because he's kind of been what i expected in a lot of ways um you, you know you look at him and he he looks like yeah like a stretch like a modern kind of nba stretch four. um we saw him today hit a couple of threes uh he you know has typically been mostly doing damage sort of as a jump shooter. Um, he certainly has has no qualms shooting mid-range jump shots, shooting <laughs> off the dribble. Um, he looks like a guy who grew up as a wing and then just kind of kept growing until he was more of a, a big, bigger guy. Um, you know, I think compare him dribbling up in transition a couple of times versus like Thon dribbling up in transition. I think DJ Wilson looks much more natural and smooth and just kind of mm-hmm. at ease handling the ball um both in, in on the break as well as in half court um I, I didn't really see any burst you know to get by his guy when he was playing at the four 
Um, you know, he, he didn't take it off the dribble and in, in train in, literally in any situation and get by his guy. Um, he's obviously not a bad athlete. He's, you know, pretty, pretty good athlete it seems, but doesn't really seem to translate into being able to like create off the dribble other than <laughs> maybe the, you know, like the UNLV Rashad Vaughn, like take a couple <laughs> dribbles and then take a mid range jump shot. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's interesting. I mean, he shot 63% on two pointers at, at Michigan and obviously he wasn't a high volume guy, but, um, you know, you watch the, the, the draft express video of him. I mean, he, he does settle for, it seems like he settles for sort of these shots that we saw today, but he can hit them. You know, I mean, he hit a couple of tough shots, um, like that today. I mean, his first shot on Friday was another kind of tougher mid range kind of, you know, contorted shot. Um, so he has a lot of that kind of like in between game that you know, we talk about Thon not having, you know, like both guys can probably spot up and hit threes. But DJ just seems much more like a wing type player, you know, a guy who could potentially play the three, I think, um, at times, um, even though he's probably more of a four in the modern NBA. So um, so I don't know. I thought he was interesting. I mean, he doesn't play with a lot of power, you know, doesn't doesn't really like go hard at the rim. Um defensively i don't know if he does that either you know isn't obviously like a, a monster on the boards doesn't really seem to kind of be just in the vicinity of the ball maybe as much as he'd want on the boards um which is you know again maybe i'm reading it into that a little bit just because that's what was the knock on him coming out of college um but you know a guy who does a little bit of everything you know block a shot here get a steal um you know had a great pass on friday to, to gary payton working off ball for for a layup um so I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't. I think his role is pretty obvious, right? I mean, he's you know going to probably battle with with Mirza Teletovic for for kind of those like stretch four backup four minutes, and um, you know maybe he can. I don't know. Maybe he can get some of like kind of the Michael Beasley hybrid three four type minutes if um, if he plays well. I don't know, but um, certainly the fact that he was able to knock down some threes today and. You know, his, his certainly his statistical statistical profile suggests he can do that. Um, I think that's a, a major plus. And, um, you know, certainly if he can defend and switch and, um, you know, even if he doesn't play with a lot of strength or power at this point, um, if he can knock down shots and, you know, just generally be competent and right, make, you know, quote unquote basketball plays. Um, that we know that that's something that Jason Kidd will give him a chance to probably show off this season if uh, if he can start to do some of those things. Yeah, I was. I, my general impression was he's kind of smooth. Like he, yeah. he just has a way about him. And again, like you said, there wasn't a lot of just blowing by guys or anything like that. But he he just moves very uh, generally. I just think he his movements are pretty smooth. You can see he he has that athleticism. He, he can kind of just flow from play to play, which is obviously a good thing, especially with the way that the Bucks play defense. And he'll have to try to keep getting better and better at that so we'll see what he can do there but yeah he he seems generally smooth to me i commented on twitter that he loves himself a nice contested mid-range turnaround jay um which can be a bad thing um it can also be a good thing like you said if you if you can hit that shot regularly that can end up being a weapon for you if if you don't have those physical skills to get all the way to the rim but you can hit that shot at a 50% 50% clip, okay, you can still be efficient. Like, that's that's still something you could do. So I guess seeing, again, that that smooth athleticism and that touch, those are, those are two things that I always think when you're looking at a stretch four type of guy, can he do those things? Can he have a touch that allows him to kind of play in that little in-between area? Um, 
I, I don't know if I, I think he's a great passer, but like you said, we, you did see that flash of that ability um, on that pass to Peyton. And I, I, I do think it's kind of the same way. Like I just think he's a more modernized and athletic Mirza. Uh, and to me, that's that's his NBA role going forward. And you have to see if if he can really fill it out when he was going to the basket. I think there was one time where he picked up a foul, uh, or he didn't pick up a foul. He drew a foul from someone else, and that that I think was like the one time where I thought he was going to get by someone and get to the rim. So yeah, like that that crazy explosion isn't there. Um, but I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to to watch him continue to progress going forward um, because I, I think there's a lot of stuff that kind of makes sense with the way that the Bucks play basketball, the way they encourage their longer and taller guys to bring the ball up the floor and encourage them to try to do some things off the dribble. And I did think there was a couple times where you saw him switch onto a guard and kind of hold his own. It, I don't know if it was – quite as uh, jaw-dropping as when Thon would do it and stick with a guy and then come down with a block. But I I did think he could hold his own in those situations. Um, So obviously this is just NBA Summer League talent, not NBA NBA talent. Um, But if he can do that, that I think that would be encouraging as well. So uh, again, I didn't think there was anything that made me think like, oh my gosh, the Bucks have to steal the draft. And I didn't think there was anything that made me think – Good God, this was a terrible reach. What were they thinking? Yeah, it was interesting. I watched. I was watching a little bit of the Hawks preseason game, and you know, John Collins had just some really impressive dunks, and you know, he made I think like eight out of his first nine shots or something like that today. And um, it was interesting because it's kind of like, man, Bucks could have drafted that guy. You know, mm-hmm. what, what would that what would that have looked like, right? I mean, yeah. I think in a lot of ways you can look at John Collins and say that's a more talented player if you were just starting from scratch and you had nothing else on your team um but with you know dj it it seems like he is more suited to being kind of that role player given that you know again his defensive versatility i mean that was a question with john collins you know does he play defense who who can he defend um and then the floor stretching ability right i mean that was one of the things with collins is he was super efficient score i mean incredibly efficient as a scorer um also younger certainly than dj wilson um but you know no evidence at this point yet of of being able to stretch the floor and and certainly shoot from the mb3 point range that's obviously something that um you know we've now at least seen some a couple hints from dj wilson um and certainly his his shooting in college both from the free throw line as as well as from three and at the college level um do suggest that that's part of his game that that will translate so um i don't you know it's funny because i've i've i mean i made the joke on draft night about how you know if you slapped a, a dj wilson wig on charlie villanueva like how similar would they look and you know there are a lot of sort of similar physical profile uh, similarities between the two um you know i think dj's maybe a, a bit leaner um charlie uh, also was, it had shorter arms i think charlie was like a seven foot wingspan guy whereas dj seven three but um but i see kind of some similarities um and, and i don't mean that as an insult because i first off i think dj has you know projects much better defensively than charlie villanueva which was obviously always sort of like the huge achilles heel with charlie which is sort of this like softness and complete indifference on the defensive end i mean charlie could rebound a little bit that, that's a question about dj you know both have some questions maybe from the softness perspective but um in terms of guys who are you know fours but can play sort of outside to in and have sort of some of that in-between game that you normally don't expect to see from you know especially when charlie v was in town you need thought more of like traditional power forwards um 
I don't know. I, I maybe see a, a, some similarities there. I thought, you know, Charlie was always kind of hungrier for shots than certainly what DJ's history would suggest. You know, he was pretty much a role player in college. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of, you know, shot profile he has in the pros, whether he does get a lot of shots up, whether he, um, you know, is sort of much more of a role player, what that kind of looks like, because certainly, um, you know, he's a guy that, that, you know, I think you do get some flexibility with in terms of hopefully where you can play him defensively. And, um, you know, again, hopefully he's another guy who can help stretch the floor because certainly with all these guys, whether it's, whether it's Thon, whether it's DJ, um, you want all these guys to be able to stretch the floor around a, a team built around Giannis Adetokounmpo. His hands, Frank, they're huge. They are huge. And, and I didn't really realize it because I don't know if that's something that Draft Express is going to talk about on their strengths video. But just watching Wilson so often just randomly just start palming a basketball. And he did it. There was the one three hit today where the defender didn't really come out to him. And he was standing there surveying the floor and just palming the ball with his right hand. And then the guy wasn't close to him, shot the three. And when you see him catching the post, he does that. And I started to think to myself, like, this dude has to have, like, huge hands. And he does. So I think when we talked about Thon and whether or not he can catch balls in traffic, whether or not he can uh, finish in those areas, I do wonder if going forward – um, with all the work we've seen the Bucks, like athletic and training staff do with getting guys more functionally athletic. I know we talked about that with Thon and how we don't see a ton of it yet, but as the season went on, we started to see more of that. And certainly with Giannis, in, from when he was younger to where he is now, like his athleticism is just so much more functional. I, I do wonder if DJ Wilson does have some potential as a role man because he is as fluid and, and smooth as he is, that if they can work on some of that explosiveness and get him to a spot where he can really use that athleticism in a functional way, like he might be able to, to kind of be a force there because I, I just feel like he'll be able to catch everything because he already has kind of those skills and with those huge hands that in traffic he could end up being a monster. Obviously, he, he would need to handle handle the ball a little bit or handle catching the ball a little bit more handle contact a little bit better and just kind of be stronger but uh, i'm certainly intrigued by it yeah and i mean not that these measurements necessarily mean anything to people off offhand but um you know his his hand length uh, i think nine and a quarter inches hand width ten and a quarter inches and for reference long you know, the longest hand uh measurement in uh, at the pre-def combine this year nine and a half inches so a quarter inch bigger so he's right there among some of the the bigger hands that way um and i think the the widest hands were i think 10 and three quarters so again you know pretty close um there as well but i mean again a bunch of guys were sort of in the similar ballpark but um but yeah i mean having having big hands uh you know Giannis is kind of the best example you know having um big hands and and then also having those soft hands right where you can where you know you, you've yep. got that feel for it um that's something that uh that you know he certainly seems to have um and and certainly all those things kind of help and and again a lot of times people talk about like well you got big hands it's hard to shoot well you know i think i think over time i think that's sort of been disproven to a large extent i mean Kawhi leonard sort of the most obvious example a guy with huge hands um who uh, has had no problem um being able to being able to shoot at a high level and, and certainly dj is a guy who shoots very well in spite of the fact that he has he has pretty big hands so um so yeah it's it's sort of an uh an interesting uh, thing to watch for him but um yeah i think it'll be it'll be interesting i mean he 
you know, there's no kind of like really obvious, you know, he's definitely going to play 15, 20 minutes per game this year. I don't think there's anything, you know, clear about that. But, um, but you know, again, Jason Kidd gives guys chances. And I think certainly what we saw, um, you know, this year, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if they, by the way, um, I, I was looking at Giannis's hands. So we just told you that that the widest, so that the the width is the the longer sort of measurement, and the long the widest measurement in uh, in this draft class was uh, ten ten and a qu- uh, ten and three quarters. Um, I, the, again, Giannis didn't go to the draft combine, so we don't have it by like that official measurement. Um, but Giannis, in at least one article that ESPN did on, I think is like physical frame, said that he had a twelve inch wide hand <laughs> which um <laughs> if you look at the nba uh draft combine history uh greg smith in 2011 had a 12 inch width the only guy to have a 12 inch 12 inch wide hand uh, nobody else has had a 12 inch wide hand so um if that measurement is accurate Giannis is in very good company because only let's see only only six guys um have even had hand measurements or hand widths above 11 inches so 11.25 and higher uh, only six guys and Giannis is at 12 so um i don't know don't you like assume that if you had these such long long fingers like shouldn't he jam his fingers a lot i mean it's amazes me that i mean i jammed my fingers you know when i was growing up in, in college you know playing like pickup and stuff i would jam my fingers like every once in a while and i have very normal sized hands like if you have those long fingers it just seems like you'd be begging to get them jammed but anyway whatever all right frank we have we have talked for over 45 minutes we have guys that i want to talk about left would be sterling brown bronson koenig and jalen moore and and i guess glove jr how do you feel about lightning round i was gonna say either saving them or lightning round Let's do lightning round. We have one more game tomorrow, so I mean, I guess we'll have more time to talk about them. But um, let's just do lightning round from what we've seen so far. Sterling Brown. I have very little opinion about Sterling Brown. I didn't even notice he was playing in the Friday game. Literally, I thought he wasn't <laughs> playing because he. Uh, they told us that yeah. he wasn't going to play until he signed his contract, and then he signed his contract like in the afternoon, which is interesting because pretty much every Buck second rounder has signed late July or earlier. Um, but they signed him him earlier, gave him a three year deal, two years guaranteed. Um, three years uh, is pretty standard. Two years guaranteed is is um, a little bit on the more more guaranteed side for buck second rounders. But um, yeah, I mean, honestly, he didn't stand out to me at all on Friday. Didn't notice he was even on the court uh, until the second half. Um, and again, he had like no time to practice. So I don't know. Maybe you just throw that out. Sure, that's convenient. Um, as far as though this game, I mean, you know, probably what you kind of hope for him to be used his body well, you know, kind of got uh, a couple buckets by going up and under, really bulldozing his way using his, I think it was like 220, 230 pound frame. Um, that was encouraging, you know, not like a, he's not like a super run and jump athlete, anything like that, but use that strength savvy, hit a couple threes. Um, I don't know. I have no opinion of his defense. I really wasn't paying attention to that, but uh, yeah, it's fine. He's, he's out there looking like a pro. That's good. More athletic than I thought. I was thinking, you know, you see the 45% and you kind of see his body type and you think, okay, maybe. And like I said, I, I watched a bunch of SMU games and it, his athleticism was never that athleticism that stood out to me. Like semi Ojale, that would be the guy where you're just like, oh my God. Um, but with him, I, I thought he was more athletic uh, really than, I'm not going to say that he showed, but then I had seen uh, for the limited research I would do for a second rounder. So uh, more athletic than I thought. Hit two catch and shoot threes today. And generally, I think that 
that that could play um, going forward. A six six guy that can play that seemingly can play some defense, hit corner threes, hit catch and shoot threes, and be able to attack a closeout. I mean, we talked about that earlier with Rashad Vaughn. So if Sterling Brown can do that, uh, that would be pretty cool. Uh, let's go with Bronson Koenig. <laughs> well, he hit he did hit a three today, but. Um... It seems like he is struggling a little bit with the size and speed of NBA summer league athletes, which, you know, again, it's not like he's playing for a, from a small school, but um, I think obvious question I had about him not was whether he could shoot, but whether physically he had sort of the tools to kind of keep up. Not that he's like small, small, but um, I don't know. I, he seems like he's going to have an adjustment period with just kind of the speed and, and quickness and, you know, playing in a more open style, which obviously, you know, stereotypically I would say Wisconsin is, you know, more of kind of like a half court grinded out type game. Um, and I don't know. I'm let's just say this. If I was watching that game and did not know who had the two way contracts, I would not guess that that Bronson Canning had a two way contract. Um, it was not, I would say, uh, an auspicious first couple games. But uh, again, he's got he'll probably have ample opportunity to make his adjustments. Um, we know he can shoot. And hopefully he can kind of settle in a little bit more rhythm, get more acclimated to the competition level and, you know, again, to be continued, I guess. Yeah, I thought that was the, a big thing today, that there was a couple times in, I think it was especially evident in the half court, where you could just tell he just wasn't used to that speed all the time. Like, there was a three where he shot fake, got into the lane, and then thought he was going to be able to do a jump pass and the defender got there too quick and he got called for a travel or maybe a charge, one of the two. Uh, but either way, he turned it over there. And then there was a second one where he got up in the air to shoot a three and then it was like, oh my God, this defender's on top of me. And then tried to do like the little like dribble on the ground and like try to like <laughs> sell it like some way. And obviously it didn't work and it was another turnover. But uh, again, I think that's kind of what... Like what you're talking about there, where he just hasn't made that adjustment yet. Uh, so obviously it's going to take some time, and obviously the Bucks believe that he can make that jump because they've already signed him to a two-way contract. And um, I know uh, some of the D League guys that that we all follow that are all great, Chris Reichert and uh, Adam Johnson as well. Those guys do two ways in ten days. Uh, their website on Patreon now. You should go check it out because they're great. Um, but they were talking about how it was interesting already that the Bucks had given out their two ways when a number of teams haven't given out a two way. Um, so just just kind of interesting that they've already tried to use both of those. And like, like I said, they must have confidence in Bronson that he'll be able to make that adjustment and end up making some plays. And we'll kind of see what happens there. Let's talk about the guy, the other guy on a two way, Jalen Moore impressions in the early going well he had two i think he had two threes on friday i want to say um and i I mean generally he he looks like he belongs if that makes sense i mean i think physically he doesn't look like a guy who necessarily has the you know that has some of the same concerns that that bronson koenig does um seems a lot more kind of comfortable with the, the speed of the game um but again i don't know if comparing him to Bronson King is like the best bar for that but uh i don't know i mean i don't he didn't really do much of anything i don't think in the the sunday game um but again i mean just looking at his kind of profile at utah state um you know statistically a pretty impressive profile that he had there did a lot of things pretty well um shot from three uh 
rebounded a bit, you know, could could plan to play that like hybrid forward position. Um, and obviously with the way the, the league is going, you know, you know, what what would have what 10 years ago been considered maybe a bit of a tweener. You know, now he's uh, now he's a guy that that is kind of interesting. So, um, you know, again, I've seen him play two games now and he certainly was not the, <laughs> not my focus uh in either of these games I, I tried to pay a little more closer attention today because you know knowing that he had gotten that that other two-way deal um but uh i, I would say this i think he's looks more like a potential guy who could play in the nba than bronson Koenig does but um you know again we're, we're still very early in terms of <laughs> sample sizes so we'll see uh we'll see how he does the rest of uh of vegas he's certainly a guy i, I think you know we know he'll play in all these games because He's got a lot to prove, um, but uh, you know, not not a. I think he yeah played twenty four minutes, took one shot today, didn't make it. Um, five rebounds, one assist, one steal. Um, so not not a huge impact on the game, but certainly a guy that um, we'll we'll probably get more familiar with here moving forward. Yeah, what you said about him seeming to belong it seems accurate to me. Like just watching him play, he seems to have an athletic enough. Uh, or he he seems to be athletic enough that he can he can play and handle uh being on the floor he's long enough he's tall enough and i was thinking he was gonna look skinnier to me um and he doesn't look quite as skinny as he as i thought he was going to look so uh that's a generally positive thing and yeah i I think he'll he'll be fine and i think we're gonna learn quite a bit more about him uh in the coming in the coming week and also probably in, in the coming months as uh, we get to see him play more and more and obviously we'll get to see him uh, with the herd. All right, last one, Glove Jr., what do you got? Well, I, I mean, and again, this isn't necessarily the highest praise, but best player for the Bucks on Friday. Um, today, I guess he sounded like he got uh, took a knock and, and might have had picked up an injury, so he, he only played nine minutes today. But, um, you know, the, the Achilles heel shooting, that's the one downside has not looked comfortable shooting the ball in either of these games from deep. Um, but I think other than that, you know, I think just really in terms of like defensive intensity, using those physical tools that he has to pressure the ball handler, you know, create steals, um, create havoc. Uh, you know, I think he's got really nice awareness kind of as an off ball cutter, um, you know, was the guy on the, on the receiving end a number of times uh, on nice passes as the Bucks kind of worked the ball around got he got inside to to score so you know 10 points on friday despite not obviously having that that refined outside game so um so he's an interesting guy and i think you know again um it, it's tough right i mean i think what you want from a, a point guard in milwaukee is is his ability to knock down open threes that's the clear skill that we haven't really seen from him at all um but you know the other thing too is with these guys who are playing kind of end of the bench going to be going to the d league a lot a lot of what you're looking for is somebody who's going to be competitive in practice, know their role, um, you know, push guys, et cetera. And, you know, I think Gary Payton you'd certainly look at as a guy who who will do that. And, you know, I was joking that I would like to see uh, whether Gary Payton or Matthew Dolva can can out annoy one another in practice because they're both definitely, uh, you know, pest type defenders. And Gary Payton, really good physical tools. Um, weird, you know, a weird player, right? Rebounds at a really high level, gets tons of steals, um, does a lot of things you don't necessarily always get from the point guard position. But, uh, you know, again, I think with him, it's going to be a question of can he ever figure out how to make an open jump shot? And if he does, then he becomes really interesting. But if not, yeah, I mean, you kind of root for a guy like this who, who obviously works really hard. But, um, you know, is he going to be more than a 14th, 15th man probably pretty tough if uh, if he doesn't figure out how to shoot i think i would feel a lot better about him if i was any of the other 29 teams in the league 
I, I just don't see how he ever fits in Milwaukee. Like, like it just, like, like you said, I'm not any more convinced that he has a jump shot than I was before summer league started. Um, and until I'm convinced of that, like, I just don't know how he manages to have an impact in Milwaukee because I just don't think those skills so so often uh, I think kind of mirror the things Giannis is good at and well Giannis is seven feet tall and one of the best players in the NBA Gary Payton is not (laughs) Um, uh, I I just think that there's a lot of good stuff there and I think there's a lot of stuff that could really help him be a, a solid backup point guard like being able to get after someone defensively like that really helps if you can bring that guy in and have him do that and being athletic and being able to do some rebounding like all those things could really help out his squad i just don't know if the bucks are the team that would actually be able to take advantage of his unique skill set yeah i mean if if gary payton were a 38 percent three-point shooter then you could say hey, we may have the next Patrick Beverly on our hands. Um, But if he's a 29, 30% free throw shooter, then you've got a guy who probably doesn't play in the NBA. So, you know, again, you hate to reduce kind of a guy's abilities to, you know, one number or one skill. But certainly, as you said, for the Bucs specifically, but, you know, the NBA more broadly now, perhaps more than, you know, 10 years ago, uh, the fact that that jump shot just doesn't I mean you know just some of the misses I mean it's not just missing but he's, he's not close right it just does not come easy easily to him um I have a hard time again he's gonna be 25 this year it's not like he's you know a 21 year old kid or something like that so um so yeah I mean I, I would be fine with the Bucks kind of hanging on to him and maybe sort of seeing if uh if he maybe come around a little bit um but uh yeah I mean it's kind of it, he he is kind of who we thought he was and and there's both positives and, and one very obvious negative with that. All right, Frank, I am satisfied with our discussion of the first weekend of summer league. Is there anything you would like to add? No, I hope I hope we haven't come off as being too too hot takey, too overreacty. Um, I don't think any my opinion of any player that we saw in these two, these two games has really changed dramatically. I mean, some of these guys who we haven't seen anything from. You know, again, it's first impressions, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think we necessarily saw anything crazy, out of the ordinary, completely unexpected from anyone, for better or worse. Um, and uh, I think it'll be interesting to see here for the rest of uh, of the tournament, quote unquote tournament. Um, hopefully, we'll continue to see encouraging performances from, in particular, DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you know Bronson Canning beginning to look a bit more comfortable. Hopefully, a little bit more from Jalen Moore as well. And um, I don't know, maybe GP two if we can if we can knock down a couple threes, maybe give us something to feel warm and fuzzy about the rest of the summer. And Rashad uh, keeps scoring thirty points again. And Rashad Vaughn don't, can't lose for start Rashad Vaughn. I mean, if Vaughn continues to look anything close to this, um, that would be a big positive. As much as Vegas doesn't mean that much, um, I think certainly for some guys. You know, we, we you, you got to start somewhere, and so if if this is the start of, of better things for Rashad Vaughn, then that would be a positive thing. Wouldn't it be nice to have sort of something positive to go into the rest of the summer? Yeah, Rashad, that would be nice because I feel like we're always negative on Rashad. I'd agree. Something really positive. So anyway, to be continued. All right, that's going to be it for us for today. Hopefully, you didn't lose too much sleep over summer league and the Bucks' poor performance on Friday night, and. And if you did, hopefully you're out celebrating tonight uh, after they win 88-83 to uh, over the Brooklyn Nets. So that's going to be it for us for this 
Monday episode of Locked on Bucks. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, the Bucks play tonight, Monday, July 10th at 9 p.m. against the Los Angeles Clippers. That game is going to be on ESPN2, and you can stream any of those games, um, I believe, on the watch espn app i'm not 100 percent sure on that Um, that's what i did on friday so i'm assuming you can do it again on monday um so if you want to do that you can you can do that uh but that's gonna be it that was frank madden i'm eric name this has been lockdown bucks we'll talk to you tomorrow